Thank you for checking out the Life Church Utah audio podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. To find out more information about Life Church, please check us out at lifechurchutah.com. If you'd like to support our ministry, you can do so by going to our website or by texting the word LCGIVE to 95577. Uh, so, how much do you think about the future? How much time do you devote thinking about what tomorrow will bring and and kind of what the future is? Some of us are wired to look to the future. Others are wired to look to the past. You know, folks that kind of look to the past, and that's just how they are wired. So today we're going to discover the the, the power of looking into the future. And it's kind of a weird thought, but when I was in college, I uh, was asked this question for the very first time when I went to Bible college. And uh, I thought it was a bit weird back then. I don't find it quite so weird anymore, but it was definitely strange. So if this is the first time you're hearing this, uh, I apologize if you think it's strange, but I think it's a great question to ask. And here's the question. What do you want people to say at your funeral? Right? What do you want people to say at your funeral? Now, we could quickly go morbid on this whole thing, and we're not going to do that (laughs) because I think that we can find some constructive things that we want people to say at our funerals uh, that can actually be very helpful for us. I hope at my funeral that they say more than he was tall, (laughs) right? I mean, that's kind of the the, the thing that I'm known for often. Um, But it also makes me think of tombstones, not the pizza, (laughs) okay, Uh, tombstones. And uh, we've got a couple of tombstones for you. What would be on your tombstone? Buy, not Kids Life B2PN. <laughs> Buy, that's a pretty simple, uh, simple thing there. Uh, what's the next one we've got there? The next one we've got there. That's aiming high. <laughs> Thinking you're Pharaoh, right? The ruler of the world in that moment. I wanted a pyramid. All right, maybe a very small pyramid. Okay, next one. How many of you grew up in a home with only one bathroom between you and your siblings? Is there still love in, okay, we won't answer that question, but right, I think that's wonderful. There was still love, four girls, one bathroom. That is, I've got uh, four kids. We had uh, more than one bathroom in Illinois, and uh, thankfully that saved our family, but I couldn't imagine what it'd be like all in one, uh, all in one bathroom. Uh, next one. I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, that, that looks like it's been doctored, that, that one does there, but I think that's actually very funny. Um, all right, then the next one. Okay, can, can, I, can we talk social media just for a moment? Allow, indulge me for just a moment. Um, I, from time to time, from some of you and from friends from far and wide, I get things on Facebook Messenger or text or things like this that tell me if I don't forward this to 10 of my friends or 60 of my friends, you know, within the next hour, something bad's going to happen to me or people don't love me or make sure you do this because it shows you love and all that stuff. Can I give you a hint? I will never forward any of, any of them. I'm risking death every time, but I am not going to forward any of them. And how many of you think you already get enough spam, enough junk coming your way that you're not also going to forward them? 
yes, we're going to commit together as a family of God not to forward anything, unless it's like prayer requests that are really important, all right, things like that. So anyway, no political stuff, whatever, you know, you get it. So died from not forwarding, that would be me, <laughs> all right. Uh, now, th this last one that we have here is a little, little more personal. Uh, when um, uh, came up here in August, when we were uh, kind of uh, discovering what the Lord was working in, in my, my life, my family's life, uh, for coming up here to be your pastor, um, I had not been to my, uh, my father passed away in 1998, the funeral happened, but there was no, no graveside at that point, and so uh, I had never been to my father's, uh, father's graveside, I knew where it was, it was up near we, where we lived in Sandy, a uh, little, uh, little cemetery plot there right by Granite Elementary School, and when had the opportunity then in August, uh, when we came up here to visit, uh, was the first time I had gone to the graveside with the, with the tombstone uh, there. And on the front side has all the pertinent information that you would expect to be on a tombstone. On the back side, however, this is what was back there. And I had no idea that that was back there. Wooten, which my, my dad, uh, Arthur Wooten, my sons, Mark and Rich. And, I thought, and, and honestly, I thought a lot about that. I was surprised to see it. I'd seen the picture of the front, but never the back. And it, it deeply moved me at that moment uh, to realize that uh, th there's a legacy associated with that. Even in my, my father's death, very tough circumstances. Uh, but there was a legacy associated with that. And that legacy is my brother and I when it comes to my father's legacy. So can we think about the end of our lives in a healthy way? I think the answer is yes, we can. If we don't think about the end, when we get there, we will have missed all of the opportunities, I think, that God wants us to have when it comes to this life that we are living now. Now, the importance of all of this is the fact that I think God is deeply concerned with our lives, the beginning of our life and the completion of our life, and the fact that each of us leave something behind. That is our legacy. So what will we be leaving behind? What will people remember us for? What, what will be the important things that are said at our funeral that became life-changing for others? There's this guy named Paul in the Bible, wonderful uh, leader in the early church, wrote much of the New Testament. He's an early church missionary and leader and had a healthy understanding of his own life. And he's, uh, toward the end of his life, he gives us some insight on things that should be important to us to consider when it comes to the end of our lives. Paul writes to a young, uh, young pastor by the name of Timothy. And Timothy had come to the Lord prior, and Paul found out about him and began spending time with him and pouring into Timothy's life. And Timothy and Paul uh, really form, a, form an incredible uh, mentoring relationship. You've got kind of almost this father-son relationship that's happened. And Paul dedicates two entire letters in the New Testament, uh, 1 and 2 Timothy, written to this young leader named Timothy. And 2 Timothy is where we find this kind of instruction that Paul gives. And 2 Timothy is the most intimate letter that Paul writes, and, and you can tell that he is deeply, deeply moved by his relationship with Timothy and the power of that, that sense of, of Timothy. Uh, my life might be coming to an end, but there is something that needs to be passed on to you. And so I think a helpful way to, to think about legacy is to realize this. The story doesn't end with you. Right? The, the, the story of your life does not end with you because there is something more after you. 
And as this message unfolds today, I believe that God will be speaking to each of you. Now, when you came in today, you received a couple of these uh, little tags. And you might see from uh, up front here that we're going to be doing something with these tags. But what the idea is, is throughout the message today, if, if there is something that God lays on your heart concerning the legacy that you think God wants you to leave, feel free to write it down on this card. There, there might be, God might speak to you about your marriage. God might speak to you about your parenting. God might speak to you about your place of work or your neighborhood. Something about what is it that's left behind? What is the legacy that God wants you to have? So I encourage you to write it down as we get to some of those parts there. And I can't wait to see what God does among us uh, this morning. So Paul understood this idea that, that, um, that the story doesn't end with him. And so listen to what he says to Timothy at this near end of his life. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, verses 6 through 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. Those are really powerful words, words that are spoken. I've uh, spoken at, um, at a number of funerals that have one of these words included as kind of a, a final statement about this individual's life. So sometimes it's good to read from other versions. Listen to how the message version or the message paraphrase puts it. Second Timothy chapter four, verse six again. He says this. He says, you take over. I really like that. Paul's looking at this and saying, hey, there's a legacy being passed on here. You take over. I'm about to die my life in offering on God's altar. This is the only race worth running. I've run hard right to the finish. I believed all the way. All that's left now is the shouting, God's applause. I think that's so cool. Think about that God is cheering us on. Um, it says, depend on it. He's an honest judge. He'll do right not only by me, but by everyone eager for his coming. So to leave a godly legacy, we must think about the impact of our lives on future generations. Because it's not just about us now. <laughs> it's not just about us. But a godly legacy that's being left for the future has to take into consideration the now. It has to. Because what we live now, how we live now, largely determines the legacy that we will leave when we pass on. So the very first one here, number one, is to leave a godly legacy, live with urgency today. Live with urgency today. Here's what I mean by this. And Paul goes on in his message to Timothy. So right after he said, hey, there's in store for me a crown of righteousness, all these incredible things for the future, this is what he says. Make every effort to come to me soon. Somebody who's only looking to the future doesn't say that. This is somebody who's saying there is an urgency now. Timothy, I need you to come to me soon because there is still something that I need to do. There's still something that's urgent today, Timothy, that we together need to do. The church needs some care. There's some problems going on in the church, and we got to take care of some of those issues. So, Timothy, come to me quickly. 
And in fact, he says, and I want you to bring Mark with you, another, uh, another one of the early uh, leaders in the church. He's got this, this idea that God's not finished with him, even though he's looking at the end. God's not finished with him. As soon as we lose the zeal for today, we miss God's best for us. Once again, I know we've got to look to the future, we've got to look to that, but as soon as we lose that zeal for today, that sense that God is at work today in my life, I think we miss God's best for us. How many of you are ready to retire? Lift your hands up again. Ready, like, you're like, even if you're like 25 and you're like, I'm ready to retire. <laughs> All right? Um, oftentimes in our culture, we look at retirement as the finish line. I mean, that, that becomes the finish line. Um, but, but the problem is, I heard this from John Maxwell the other day, if you have a finish line, you have retirement. If you don't have a finish line, you leave a legacy. Right? Because you're, you're looking at it going, I, I, I might be finished with work, but there is so much more for me, and Paul is in that same boat. Shelly and I have a friend uh, that worked with us in, uh, at Calvary Church in Naperville. His name is Craig. He was one of the pastors. And uh, he was diagnosed um, with an acute form of leukemia. Uh, he's in his uh, early 60s, an uh, acute form of leukemia. Came as a shock to all of us. Uh, he was a vibrant, I mean, just lived life to the fullest, a great leader. It shook him to the core, as you can imagine, and uh, really shook the church and just trying to, trying to make their way through it. And so Craig, uh, for him, the battle was pretty intense. But there was success, and leukemia a couple of years ago went into um, uh, remission. And everybody was praying. I mean, it was just a super great moment uh, there for the church and for his family. Months later, however, a new report came out. Things weren't quite right and, and realized that the leukemia had come back really aggressively. And uh, Shelly and I uh, actually were with him just this past week or about two weeks ago uh, at the conference we were at. And he's right now in the middle of that struggle again. And as you can imagine, that, that plays, and for those of you who are cancer survivors or those currently uh, facing, uh, facing cancer, it, it plays very heavily upon the way you look at your life. And there was a part of him the second time, as he was kind of getting into the, to this battle, and we were talking to him about this, that had, had chosen to look at the end as the end. And had chosen to just say, okay, it's inevitable, so I'm going to, and he said, almost said these words, I'm going to stop living right now because I know that this is going to end this way. And at this conference, and we, as we were talking to him, he became super challenged. And it was like God spoke to him even before this conference, but, but there at the conference kind of reiterated it. It's like God got a hold of his heart and said, I'm not done with you yet. I'm not done with you yet. And, and so uh, it was great listening to him because he goes, and he's in a place of national, um, really his national leadership and international influence and uh, with Convoy of Hope and some really incredible things happening there. And, and he's in the middle of this fight. And it's like, and we, as we were talking to him, his, his eyes were bright. And he goes, because there is a plan that I know God wants to do in my life. I know that there are things and that struggle is very real and that unknown is really is, is very much a part of the conversation he and his wife have pretty much every single day and yet he knows that God has called him to now, to today, to say, God, I know you've got something for me today and that passion for the lost, that passion for God's presence is so developed in his life and it's really, really beautiful to see that. And I think it's a great pattern for us to look at and I think... Uh, Paul says this um, 
uh, says this through, uh, through what he told Timothy. And how do we live urgently for this day? There's two, two ways. Number one, it's urgent for the presence of God every day. We need to be urgent for the presence of God every day. Foreigner just came into my head. Urgent. Okay, I won't sing that song for you. <laughs> Paul is speaking to Timothy is longing for God's pleasure to be poured out on him. There's a longing in Paul's heart for the presence of God, and he says it. There's in store for me this righteousness. There's, there's, there's in store for me this thing that's in the future. I'm longing for the presence of God, but he says, but Timothy, I need you to come now. I need you to be here now because that presence of God is driving me to present Christ to the world around me. The cool thing is, is Paul, who is urgent for the presence of God, we see this uh, through so many stories that he writes and things that he shares in the early church. Um, he was in a, in a shipwreck. <laughs> he was beaten. Uh, he had, uh, you know, kind of broken moments. He was sick. There were times that he was uh, stoned, like with stones, not stoned the other way, okay? And, um, and in those moments, every single time, God showed up. The presence of God, and he was longing for that presence of God. And here's the reality. This is not a one-way street. This is not just us, <laughs> right, longing for the presence of God. I believe God longs for our presence. That's why our times of worship are so precious, not just to us, but to him. He longs to hear our voice lifting up praise to him. He longs for those moments. He says in the Bible, he says, call to me and I will answer. It's not call to me and I might answer. <laughs> it's call to me and I will answer. And Jesus says this, come to me, you who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus is longing for us to call out to him because he wants to be with us as well. Your legacy depends on that urgency for the presence of God in your life, <laughs> and it's not that one-way street. God is longing for us as well. And that other urgency, and we see this in Paul's desire uh, for the church, he's going, there's still work to be done in the church, is that urgent, we got to be urgent for the lost. How many of you know people that don't know Jesus? Lift your hands. Keep them raised for just a moment. Keep those hands up. Real, look around real quick. Pretty much every hand raised for people that, that we know around us that, that don't know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. It's not just about our relationship with God. It's about what he has called every one of us to do to tell the message of Christ to those who don't know Jesus, right? And so every one of you have, so I'm a pastor. I don't know if you knew that or not, but I'm a pastor. And my workplace is Christian, <laughs> which is great, okay? Everybody who works at Life Church is a Christian. All the pastors they're Christians. That's wonderful. That's a great thing to be a pastor and a Christian. It's awesome. Um, so, so, I mean, I, I live in a Christian world and it gets annoying. Can I tell you that? Just to be honest between you and me. Don't tell my staff. I love them to death, but it gets annoying. Um, so I have to intentionally find ways for me to interact with those who don't know Christ. I have to do that. That's my job as a follower of Christ. I've got to tell the story. I'm not just a pastor up here on Sunday morning, hopefully giving good things for you to live your life by. I've got to be able to live it myself. And so um, I, one of the things I began praying for is, God, give me intentionality in the relationships that I have outside of the church. So right now it's winter. By the way, I'm, I'm wearing flannel in honor. I'm declaring today the last day of winter, just so you know. I'm wearing flannel as the last 
thing. So, um, but I've got neighbors who live next to me, right? I've got on our little block that I live on. Um, I know some of them right now, but I will know every one of them by the end of spring and be praying for every single one of them by name, right? Believing, believing God for that. Uh, I go to Starbucks a lot. Okay, I enjoy Starbucks. And one of the deciding factors for, my, for our, my family and I to come here to Life Church was the fact that there's a Starbucks like right across the street. <laughs> Love all of you, but Starbucks, right? And uh, so I go there, and God's really challenging me. I go there a lot. God's really challenging me to be intentional in the relationships that I have there. And so I'm beginning to pray for Sean, for Lauren, for Andy for other workers that are there, and you begin noticing people that show up and have the same patterns and begin talking to them and telling them about Christ. And so I'm like, God, help me to be intentional. What I'm praying for is, God, give me that moment, that, that time when I can begin to share the gospel of Christ with Sean. Right now I'm showing him through my life, right? <laughs> but there are other ways uh, eventually to be able to begin telling. I uh, met somebody named Akiko yesterday uh, when Shelly and I were out and just, just praying for her and believing God to bring her to faith. Uh, here very soon she lost a 23-year-old son uh, recently uh, to a really tragic accident. And just say, God, do something in Akiko's life to bring her to you. So there's got to be an urgency for the lost. Now the second thing to leave a godly legacy... Uh, not only have urgency, live with urgency today, but we've got to, to leave this godly legacy to, um, to let God redeem your past. Let me say that again. Let God redeem your past. I'm going to invite our worship team to come up here as we close out here pretty quickly. Many of us have parts of our lives or parts of our families that we are not proud of. For many of us, you perhaps have a legacy that's been passed down to us from parents, grandparents, or others, a legacy of pain, of suffering, of addiction, hopelessness, maybe mental health issues, hatred, poverty, you name it. I mean, all these things that have the potential of being passed down to us from generation to generation to generation. That does not have to define us because we are redeemed when Christ enters our lives. Something changes and the past no longer has power over us. And I mean, I've shared this before, but there's alcoholism in my family line and all that stuff. But in Jesus' name, those, that is broken. That legacy is not a part of my legacy anymore because my kids now see a different life. Same with divorce. Sometimes in families, it's like divorce is part of the legacy within a family and say no more. That's not part of it. Maybe children that, that, that turn away from Christ at, at a particular age and you see that pattern in families. You say, God, no, I, my past is redeemed. This legacy that's been handed to me that's broken, God, redeem that legacy. Change that legacy in my life. Paul writes to the church of Corinth, uh, many of whom had a legacy of idolatry, uh, behavior, sinful attitudes that far from the truth of the story of Christ. This is what Paul says. He, so he says, such were some of you. I mean, acknowledging that, right? We can't unacknowledge the things that have been handed to us. We acknowledge that such were some of us. But he goes on, he says, but you were washed, 
you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. There is a change available to us to create a new legacy because of what Jesus has done within us. Some of a legacy that you feel trapped by. God wants us to realize that he has redeemed those legacies, given us a potential for a new legacy. It's a new legacy, that, that whole idea of redemption is a new identity. When Christ comes into our life, we are different. We are changed. We are no longer the way we were. <laughs> because redemption is an exchange. And then finally, um, to leave a godly legacy, perhaps this should be the first one, but to leave a godly legacy, surrender to Christ. For some of you, that's what needs to be written on here, that this is the start of your legacy today, that I surrendered my heart to Christ. Because that's the starting point if you want to leave a godly legacy. For anyone who wants their life to live beyond this life, <laughs> I'm not talking eternity, the, the theology, of, I'm, not, I'm not talking theology of resurrection right now. I'm talking about your legacy, what you leave behind to your children, what you leave behind to your grandkids, what you leave behind uh, to your coworkers, to your neighbors. Starts with Christ. Starts with that relationship. Because he redeems us. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.